You are now listening to Halos in the Infield, an Angels baseball exclusive podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the weekly roundup. This week is our 11th week in a row. Um, We are a little bit late on this week's weekly roundup, but it's going to be coming out on Fridays now, I I think. I think that's what we discussed, right? Yep, yep. That's uh, Fridays is the decision. That's what we're going for. Yeah, so we're going to be coming out with weekly roundups on Fridays um, because I have other commitments that I have to get to. So yeah, but without further ado, let's give out the introductions. I am one of your hosts, Chase, and with me uh, is... Hey, I'm Andrew. I'm the other host, (laughs) at least the last I heard. So (laughs) (laughs) The last you heard. Um, But it's been a pretty fun week of baseball this week, and uh, we're going to show off some of that fun. To start, we have Picture Perfect Plays. First pitch swinging. Oh, and first pitch crushing! High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Fly ball well tagged this time, and Junior going back to the track. The wall makes the leap and makes the catch! Amazing catch by Junior as he takes a home run away from Luis Gonzalez. My, oh my! Perfect timing and Junior receiving a standing ovation here! It seems seems like Yoshi's had a pretty good eye, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been. I like this matchup. Yep. Fly ball to right field. Did he do it? Yoshi Sutsugio has walked it off. So to start us off, we have Yoshi Sutsugo's walk-off home run outside of PNC Park, or the ball flew out of the stadium. I should have said it like that. I don't know why I said it weird. Yeah, that that was a mood shot. And uh, that was his fifth home run in 13 games with the Pirates. It's being picked up. He spent time previously on the Tampa Bay Rays and the Dodgers, who uh, were both trying to give him a chance, but he wasn't performing. So I think uh, any type of front office if you're looking at players a player that goes through the Rays and then Dodgers in order is probably a good player to pick up (laughs) yeah I mean they were expecting so much out of Yoshi Tsutsugo when they brought him up out of Japan right yeah because he was a he was a 40 plus home run guy in Japan just Mm -hmm. he was hitting like 330 with 45 home runs and a thousand OPS yeah uh but he he just wouldn't perform with the Rays and with the Dodgers but now he's with the Pirates and he's showing up a little bit yeah, it might be easier for him to perform when there's still fans around. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, do you have anything else to say on Yoshi Tsutsugo? I mean, no, I just get, I'm going to be watching him closely. Uh, five home runs in 13 games is a great way to start your uh, career with a new team. Yeah. And then he's going to be a free agent after this year. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and the Pirates need all the help they can get. So, 100%. Is that the first time we've had the Pirates on this show? Yeah, I forgot the Pirates were actually a team for a minute. So <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's not a AAA team. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see the Pirates on the show. But uh, <laughs> next up, we have Shohei Otani back in picture perfect plays with this amazing play. A swing and a miss, a delayed double steal attempt, throw to the plate.
So as we can see there, Shohei Otani stole home. A pitcher stealing home. Uh, it, it may have been a double steal, but he did still steal home. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, a double steal still steal. And he is the first pitcher since Doug Dreifert uh, back with the Dodgers in the early 2000s to steal home and win a game within the same year. That, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you'll never see anything like this for a number of years to come, unless unless this is just bringing on the whole entire two-way player movement. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you were alive the last time it happened. Like, I, I don't think so. Like, what were you born? I was born in 2003. Yeah, I think I think the, the Dreifert one was uh, 2002, so... Mm. It, it, it's just old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not very old. <laughs> um, another great play from this week was this one. We have Nolan Arenado making this insane diving play. He just came out of nowhere to snag this ball away. It looked like it was already going to be in left field, but he just dives and makes this amazing diving grab. Yeah, I'm so glad that he's in the NL Central. Uh, I, you know, I'm a Padres fan, <laughs> so I watched him do that for years against the Padres. Mm-hmm. With the Rockies, he was just a highlight reel. Yeah, just it, it was. It wasn't like it was like once a week. It was every game. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> You would have you would have Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado every year winning the Gold Glove. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, you know, just like clockwork. I can't imagine that Arenado's going to lose this one either. Who Who do you think are the Gold Gloves for third base this year? Then, uh, I th- I mean Chapman. It's hard, you know, because for whatever reason, Gold Glove is usually tied to offensive performance, even though it shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, and they're then- just like we don't want a bad player winning Gold Glove. We need <laughs> to have them be able to hit a little bit. But I, Not I just think, based off defensive metrics. That would be the smart thing. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, I think Arenado is going to win this year. Uh, even though Austin Riley, he, I think he's leading him in defensive run saves. So maybe really? Austin yeah. Riley? I know. I was, I, was, uh, I was confused when I saw that because I thought he was a bad defensive third baseman. But I don't watch the Braves, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Austin Riley's had a really good season. Yeah, he's had a really, really good season. Uh, he's been one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they first got him, like when um, when he was prospect status, they had big hopes for him. And then he just didn't really live up to those hopes for the first couple of years. Yeah, I think I think that looking at players like Akuna coming up and Tatis, who just performed at elite levels from day one, that people like Austin Riley kind of got swept under the rug because they weren't coming out and just having MVP caliber seasons as a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it takes a few years to develop from like 99% of baseball players. Yeah. Um, next of our picture perfect plays, we have Nick Castellanos. He hit two home runs, but then after hitting the two home runs, his bat gets checked for being corked up high in the zone. Castellanos sends that one high in the air. Deep left center field. Gone. Castellanos drills it. Left center field. Gone. Grand slam. Mike Schilt came out and said something to home plate man Corey Blazer who then summoned all the umpires onto the infield grass. And you can see Phil Cuzzy, the crew chief on the left, working first base, handling things. 
I'm not sure what he seems to think he saw there. Is he going to say check that bat? They want his bat. Phil Cuzzy is hand motioning. They want his bat. David Bell is coming out to speak with Phil Cuzzy. Yep. And, and Nick here comes Castellanos with his bat. He's hand delivering it. Here you go. Check it out. Now remember a few games ago we talked about Castellanos was using the bat where on the end of the bat there, there it is right there. Castellanos has been using this bat yes, for several has. days. Yes, he has. Yeah, uh, I guess they didn't watch that Mythbusters episode for back in the day because I think yeah. they most likely did hold on the court mat. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was missing like a chip off the end. So yeah, there's something I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've broken a bat like that, but I don't know why they would check it after that. I mean, nothing like splintered off too bad. Yeah. No, no, uh, I think the Cardinals were just hurt that they let two home runs. <laughs> There's like, he had two home runs off of us. There's no way. That's I, not possible. A guy can't be that good. Yeah. They're, they're reacting like the neighborhood kid who's just upset that, uh, you know, his first wiffle ball pitch got hit for a home run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I just realized I didn't tell anybody why I'm, I'm sitting in a void today. So, the next weekly roundup, I will be in my new house. So be on the yeah. lookout for that. It should be better lighting, better studio stuff, better room, I guess. I call my room my studio because yeah. that's where I do all my stuff. But sorry, I just noticed that I had to I had to say that because it's kind of weird not seeing anything behind me. And it might be a little echoey in here now. Yeah, he, he actually had to sell all of his items so he can maintain his uh, Mountain Dew addiction. So. <laughs> Uh, how did you know? <laughs> um, next up on Picture Perfect Plays, we have Abraham Toro. He hit a grand slam off Kendall Graveman. Uh, Kendall Graveman was the guy that the Astros got from the Mariners for Abraham Toro. So yeah. the storylines <laughs> are active. So the two men once traded in part for one another. Who will get the best of this battle? Healthy fly ball gives the Mariners the lead. Pitch number eight to Toro. He drills this! Drilled and crossed, and this is gone! Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my God, because that he has just been a menace to the Astros ever since he got to the to the Mariners. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And uh, the Mariners, remember how upset they were uh, with that trade for getting rid of Graveman for Toro? Oh and yeah, then, the yeah. Locker room was in shambles. Exactly. Then he comes in, hits home runs on back to back days against the Astros right after the trade. Now he's a grand slam against the guy he was traded for. Uh, I wonder how that locker room is feeling now. Hmm. Um, and also, uh, that kind of goes towards the front office moves, uh, which we'll cover a little bit later because uh, there is some news for the Mariners front office. So it was a good move by the Mariners front office from what it seems. Has Kendall Graveman even put up any good numbers with Houston? Uh, not after yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, when we first heard that trade, it was just kind of a head scratcher, but I guess it's working out for the Mariners. Yeah, it has. All right, next up we have Yasmani Grandal. He had an eight RBI game. High in the air, deep right field, down the line it goes, it is. Oh, welcome back, tie game. Put a charge into it. Oh, can he, huh? All the way to the wall. Grandal drives in two more. He's had seven triples for his career. High in the air, deep right field. I believe he's going to touch the plate, Steve. Well, if he misses the plate, he hits for the cycle. Uh, Yasmani Grandal's just been on fire lately. Yeah, that, that guy is, uh, is something else. For anyone that isn't keeping track, he's currently batting 217 but has an on-base percentage over 400 and a slugging over 500. Uh, plus great defense. Yeah, plus great defense. I mean, as a catcher, that's just elite. And that stat line is very, very rare. Uh, I think we're going to come back to that, though, a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, not very much later because we only got one play in between that. Um, <laughs> and it'll be the not picture-perfect play. we got to come up with a name for it. So drop it in the comments what you guys want the not picture-perfect play to be. Uh, it's, it'll be the blooper of the week for now. So the not picture perfect play of the week has six Blue Jay defenders all converging on a pop up, and uh, this happens. Shift on for the Blue Jays, and this one's popped up, and everybody's coming in for a look, and it's going to drop on the mound. Nobody got a glove on it. So you see Bo Bichette kind of tripped on the mound and nobody catches the pop-up. And it was just kind of a funny play all around. Oh, that's amazing. Anytime you have an infielder coming over the mound and tripping during a pop-up is just a highlight for me. I'll remember <laughs> that for, for years. If he thinks that no one will remember that, I just want you to know that it'll be 40 years from now and I'll think back to it and I'll still stick her. <laughs> <laughs> and you always know it's going to be disaster whenever you see that many infielders converging on one pop-up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. It looks like a bunch of birds that are like moving around a piece of bread that's about to be thrown. They all have their they, hands up They in are the air. a bird team. They <laughs> yeah. are a bird team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the hands are just up. They all look confused. They're like, who's going to get this? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you have Marcus Simeon just running away to sprint to second base because nobody's covering it. And they're just yeah. like, oh, we messed up. Yeah, he's either trying to get to second base or he's like trying to get out of frame. He's like, this is going to be a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking ahead. Yeah. All right, so our next segment on this week's Weekly Roundup is the Weekly Statistical Anomaly. Andrew, what do you have for us this week? So we're going to go back to Yasmani Grandal, like we were talking about a minute ago. He is currently batting 217, and he has an on-base percentage over 400 and a slugging over 500. To put this in perspective, this has not been done since 1949. So it's been 70 years since we've seen a stat line like that. Uh, there's been a lot of people close. Adam Dunn was perpetually close to that kind of stat line. Never crossed the ball bar. Uh, you had Dave Kingman back in the day. He was putting up similar stat lines. But yeah, it looks like Rondell is going to have the lowest batting average in the history of baseball to have an on-base percentage over 400 and a slugging over 500. So that is your statistical anomaly. And for some of the folk that aren't too uh, in tune with the stats side of the game, how would Yasmani Grandal go about doing that? obtaining those stats yeah so a perfect perspective uh would be if you were to go one for five with a home run and a walk so 
uh, that would, or one for four with a home run and a walk. And then the next day would be like one for five with another home run and a walk. Yep. Yep. Cause you would have, uh, an on-base percentage that would be between like 380, 420 if he was doing that regularly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a term that's being used for this. That's been, uh, kind of thrown around baseball the last five to 10 years. And that's the three true outcome player. And that's mm-hmm. a player that hits a home run, they walk or they strike out. And Grandal is the most of this type of player that we've ever seen. Hey, that that was very well put. Thank you very much for explaining that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll do it for the weekly statistical anomaly. Uh, we'll have something else next week, I think. We'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> there's, a, there's an infinite amount of weird things that happen in baseball, so I'm sure we'll have something. So next up on the docket, we have some players that are on the move. Uh, The first player that was on the move for this week was Jose Quintana going from the Angels to the Giants. And he's already had his first, what, start for the Giants? Was it a start or was it a relief appearance? I think it was a relief uh, appearance. Um, I'm going to pull that up right now, though. And uh, just a preface, Angels are kicking themselves now. He's a future Cy Young winner, right? That was uh, what I put in the show notes. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, he uh, he went three to third innings, had six strikeouts, uh, one walk, one hit allowed. I think that's better than he ever did with the uh, Angels at any point. It, it definitely is. And th- there's just something wrong with the Angels pitching philosophy or something, or the Giants are just that good at developing pitchers. Uh, yeah, I think they're that good at developing pitchers. And they're definitely doing something different with like pitch sequence that the Angels are not doing. Yeah. Angels need a new pitching coach or something. They they just need a change of culture. Whatever. It, it, it's a management issue at this point. Yeah, exactly. You, you just start to have to wonder if they just need an entirely new coaching staff because what they currently are doing isn't working. New coaching staff, new front office, new owner, whatever. Yeah. Everything. Just just scrap the team. Just yeah. <laughs> restart. Hit hit reset. <laughs> so let's just have let's just have like the top four players from the Angels move to a different team and then just hit reset. That's fine. That would fix their problems. It would just suck. <laughs> the the second player the second player on our on the move segment is Brad Hand. Uh Brad Hand got DFA'd by the Blue Jays after getting traded for. Uh that was really shocking to me cuz the Blue Jays gave up a lot to get him. Yeah, that was really surprising. Uh Brad Hand has been a staple in the bullpen for uh you know Washington, Cleveland, the Padres for many years now. Has you know just been a great reliever. And mm-hmm. the Blue Jays, um, they traded him for, I think it was Riley Adams, yeah. uh, you know, who's an up-and-coming backup type of catcher, potential starter, who uh, for Washington has just been killing it. He's got 1,000 OPS, two home runs, four doubles in his first 20 games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Blue Jays gave up a lot for a guy that they DFA'd. So you have to wonder if there's something else going on that we don't know about. Yeah, and aren't the Blue Jays a little thin on catching? They are, yeah. Oh. So, yep, they, uh, it does not look like a good trade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it worked out for them. But uh, Brad Hand did go from the Blue Jays to the Mets. The Mets have needed a little bit of help as of late because they have stumbled. Yeah, they have. Uh, I mean, not to mention all the, the bad PR that the uh, Mets have had recently. But yep. we'll get to that later. Uh, the, the Mets have been without DeGrom, their number one pitcher. They've been having issues with their bullpen staying healthy. Uh, 
you know, for example, like Dylan Button to, uh, but, eh, I'm not going to say that. Dylan Batances, got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he has never been able to stay healthy, you know, for example. So uh, we'll see what happens with Brad Hand. It might be another Jose Quintana situation. Hey, uh, anything, anything's <laughs> better than Jose Quintana with the Angels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but going back to what you said about the Mets drama, this is going to transition into our announcements part. Um, the Mets, they've been in the news for multiple dramas throughout the week, if you want to elaborate. Yeah, so the Mets, as everyone knows, has been they've been horrible. They've been a really bad team for the last month and a half. They made a lot of high-profile trades, such as getting uh, Javier Baez, or to start the year, getting Francisco Lindor. Uh, then also signing Francisco Lindor to a $340 million contract. And Lindor has been worth about $5 million a year this year. He has yeah. a yeah, sub OPS of sub, sub, sub 700 OPS. Stephens has been so so. He has not been a very good player. Definitely not worth $340 million. So Take Miguel came, Rojas over Lindor this year. Exactly. And it came as a big surprise to Mets fans that the celebration that Javier Baez, who has also been doing horrible as a Met, when he had a double, he did a thumbs down sign at second base. Yeah. And after the game, he was asked by reporters what that meant. And he said that if the Mets fans are going to boo him when he's doing bad, he's going to boo them back when he's doing well. <laughs> hey, he stole that from the Yankees like three years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, and I get wanting to have the fans behind your back, but starting a war with fans out of New York City is probably not the best bet. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. That the entire media organizations, you know, like the Daily Post or the New York Post and uh, the New York Times and having everyone on your back after that is not a good look. Yeah. Um, and going into the second drama for the Mets this week, their GM, Zach Scott, uh, he was arrested for a DUI. Yeah, not a good look. For the Mets again, um, they've been talking about how they're making this massive organizational change. They have been dealing with a lot of uh, sexual assault and uh, sexism just in general within their organization, mm-hmm. which is why they cleaned house with a lot of individual individuals. So Scott is their interim GM right now, and he was at a Mets uh, charity event that was being hosted by the owner, Steve Cohen, and sometime after that event was arrested for drunk driving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this is their second GM this year. Like it, they yeah. had uh, Jared Porter, I believe is his name. Um, and he was uh, also fired for sexual assault, right? Yeah. Uh, or sexual harassment, at least. Yeah. He was harassing okay. reporters. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, digital harassment. He was, I think, texting mm-hmm. a reporter over and over again, even though she requested mm-hmm. him to stop. Got it. So, yeah, not, not a good time for the Mets. Um, You've been seeing the New York Times articles on it. Uh, the Mets need a complete change in uh, just a complete change of culture and that they really didn't do a good job cleaning house. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Uh, you can't do much worse than what the Mets are doing right now. I mean, I <laughs> I don't know what else to say. They're just keep they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Thumbs down to Mets uh, management. <laughs> thumbs down um, your bias thumbs down <laughs> <laughs> from the Mets management we go to the Mariners management we said we would talk a little bit more about this later and here we are uh the Mariners are extending Jerry Depoto 
and they have also uh, made him the president of baseball operations, and they are also extending Scott's service, their manager. Yeah, I mean, the Mariners were not expected to go anywhere this year, and they still are in the hunt for the second wild card in the AL, even mm-hmm. though it's looking kind of like a moonshot. They, uh, they're an exciting team. They, you know, their GM at every trade deadline always makes a lot of moves that are puzzling and confusing, <laughs> but are exciting. You want to think they're like the big brain moves, but like sometimes they just fall flat and they really are puzzling. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes you have a, a guy that hits back-to-back home runs against his whole team, right? When you mm-hmm. get him. That is true. Um, and then Scott Service, he's taken the reins pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he's been good. Um, I mean, like you said, you have a Mariners team that has a really bad run differential, and they look like a team that should be about 10, 15 games under 500, but they are currently over 500. So when you see that, you can usually attribute that to the manager. Yeah, good management for the Mariners. And the Mariners are on the up and up, and they're going to be a problem in the AL West to come. Yep, they've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's actually time, though. <laughs> Um, next in there are announcements. We have the Dodgers. They finally caught up with the Giants on Wednesday to take first place in the NL West for the first time since April 25th, and that is 129 days. That's surprising. Uh, the Dodgers have been running away with the NL West for pretty much just unchallenged now for about eight years. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a really exciting race between two great teams. The Giants are a surprise team. They uh, have been basically in control of the NL West for the entire season. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers and Giants are just in a dogfight right now. I think they're 8-8 eight and eight against each other for the season so far, or 9-9. Yeah. Nine and nine, And uh, yeah. they've each scored 68 runs. So they've just been beating the crap out of each other. And, and the really fun part about that storyline is that they play each other tonight. They, they play their final series against each other this, this weekend. And uh, that'll be a very deciding series, I guess. Yeah, that, that'll be fun. I'm definitely going to tune in and watch a couple of those games, even though I hate both mm-hmm. teams. So, <laughs> It'll yeah. be a dogfight. It, it, it's, yeah, when you hate both teams, it's a win-win. <laughs> because whoever wins. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to be rooting for not the Dodgers. <laughs> Is that how you feel when you see like the Astros and Athletics playing each other? Nah, I mean, <laughs> I just want the A's to lose more than the Astros. See, I don't, I don't dislike the Astros as much as I dislike the A's. The A's have just brought me endless pain because <laughs> they shouldn't be good. They shouldn't be good, but they just are. It doesn't make any sense. They don't have any like super good players. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry for that rant. <laughs> um, that, that'll do it for our announcements for this week. Uh, we're going to move on into the injury report for the week. And to start us off, we have Steven Piscotti for the A's. Uh, he's out for the season. I did not write down what he's out with, but um, he, it's ending his season. <laughs> do you remember what he's out with for the season? Uh, not off the top of my head, um, but... <laughs> we have the old Google for that. Uh, he undergoed, uh, he's undergoing wrist surgery. Ah, yes, that's what it was. But um, Stephen Piscotti, he was having a career worst season, right? He was. Uh, he, he's a guy that just has never performed like people expected him to. Mm-hmm. He His best year was his rookie year, and it's kind of just been all downhill since then. 
Yeah. Uh, he started out with the Cardinals and then got traded to the A's. Uh, that story when he got traded to the A's was for basically his mother. Uh, he wanted to spend more time with her in Oakland because she, she was diagnosed with um, breast cancer, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, but that, that's a good story for Stephen Piscotti. I would look it up if you guys don't know the full story already. Uh, it's very nice. Uh, our next injury that we have on the injury report is Kenta Maeda. He's undergoing Tommy John surgery, but there's a little twist on his Tommy John surgery. Uh, Andrew, what do you got on that little twist? So when it was reported about his surgery, he actually got a little brace that was put into his elbow. And the doctors are saying that this is going to reduce his recovery time from being the normal 12 to 16 months to uh, 9 to 12 months. So it could potentially take off uh, four to six months of his recovery time. That's just huge news for the medical baseball world, like the medical and baseball overlap, because like Tommy John's Tommy John surgery is just a death sentence for pitchers pretty much. Yeah. For example, if someone were to get surgery right now, the most likely case is that they wouldn't be back at all next year and that they would be barely coming back for the rehab starts at the start of the 2023 season. But with this news, Maeda could potentially be back by next June. Mm-hmm. it's just keeping the pitchers healthier uh, I don't know how you'd say healthier when they're getting Tommy John surgery but it's shortening the recovery time which is keeping the product on the field yeah, exactly <laughs> I guess that's the best way I can put it um, nobody likes seeing Tommy John surgery so hopefully this will help hopefully exactly. we get more stuff like this for like ACL tears too yep 100% mm-hmm. I would love to see it uh, the next person that we have on the injury report is Patrick Sandoval. Like you said, angel every week. Always have to have one. Um, we have Patrick Sandoval. He is officially out for the season with a stress fracture in his back. Yeah, I guess that's what he gets for carrying the pitching rotation. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm surprised Shohei doesn't have uh, any problems with his back yet. I know. It's, I guess if you carry the, the batting and the pitching, it kind of like cancels each other out, like adding mm-hmm. negatives. But I hope they caught it early enough to where it won't hinder him coming back. Um, I'm pretty sure they said he's going to be ready for spring training uh, next year. But um, stress fracture in the back, that does not sound good. No, it all. doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, like, how painful that would be. I don't know how much he could feel it, but, geez. Patrick Sandoval, get well soon. Yeah, get well soon. Hmm. Um, next up, we have Wilson Ramos. He had his third ACL tear. His third. That's really rough for a catcher. It's going to be hard for him to come back from that. Yeah. I, I think this might spell the end of his career soon. I mean. Yeah, his stats were already under decline. Um, catchers, as you know, are heavily reliant on their knees, obviously. So a third ACL tear, not a good look, but I hope he gets well soon. Yeah. Wilson Ramos, get well soon. That's get well me. soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have Cole Hamels. He is attempting to make another comeback after getting injured before he was even able to make his first start with the Dodgers. I think this technically qualifies as his first comeback since he never made it. <laughs> <laughs> he never actually came back the first go. Right? Yeah. yeah, so it was a setback within his first comeback. So I think I think we got to adjust the, the verbiage on that. Yeah. Do you think he actually will be able to make a successful comeback here? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'm going to go ahead and say no. 
<laughs> I mean, that's fair. He is aging and he is going through a season ending injury already. So, um, and I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to take a flyer on him. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not even sure if he's still with the Dodgers or not. I, I don't think he is. I think it was a one year contract. Yeah, but it was this year. Like, is he <laughs> It was this year. So I'm pretty sure the contract's void. Yeah. So, uh, Cole Hamels, get well soon, and good luck on the comeback, man. Yeah. Um, the last, uh, the second to last thing we have on the injury report is Zach Britton. We talked about him a couple weeks ago, and he is confirmed to have. Uh, he's going to undergo elbow surgery. Um, Zach Britton can't stay healthy either, right? Nope. Uh, great closer uh, for a long time for the Orioles. Not so great for the Yankees. Um. Elbow surgeries are always rough for pitchers. I hope he gets well mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to hear a little bit more on Zach Britton's uh, issues, go back a couple of weeks. It might have been last week, might have been a couple of weeks. Uh, we talked about him in the injury report then. Um, and on to our last story for the injury report, we have a quote from uh, Joe Madden, the Angels manager, talking about Mike Trout. And he said, shutting down Mike Trout is a possibility. Uh, Madden said in an interview this week, we're probably getting closer to having to say something like that, but he still wants to continue to fight and we're going to honor his wishes. However, Mike sees this, we're going to go with it that way. So... Mike Trout is the ultimate uh, last say in what he wants to do this season, but there's a chance he does get shut down this season. Yeah, it's not looking good. He's been gone for a long time, and we talked about that tear he had to this calf. It was a partial tear, which is really rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and if you guys don't know already, uh, it was diagnosed as a grade two sprain, but that's just fancy talk in in the medical world for a partial tear because a grade one sprain is like not it's not even a tear. It's an actual sprain yeah. with like grade two and higher. It's like degrees of tear because I'm yeah. pretty sure grade three tear is just fully, yeah, fully ripped yeah. apart. Yeah, if you look at the pictures of a grade two, uh, grade two tear on uh, or a grade two sprain on Google, you'll see that it looks like a 50%, like it's just cut in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, Mike Trout, he said he's just trying to work through all the scar tissue and all that, and it's just taking him longer than expected to get back on the field. I mean, he was only going to be out for, what, like six to six to seven weeks, I think is what they gave us when and he was now, first hurt. Yeah, now it's been months. Yeah, it's. I think it's been twelve weeks, I, I, closer to twelve weeks. Like, it's just Angels fans don't like it. It's bad. It's super unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling Andrew before we started recording, I was watching a video of the Angels doing picture day, and they mic'd up Mike Trout, and he's like, "This is the first time I've put on the jersey in three months," and I'm like, "Oh, that's quite sad." <laughs> Um, But to end off on a little lighter note, um, we have Jose Abreu with a slight milestone. Uh, He is the first in the MLB this season to hit 100 RBI. Yeah, that guy is an RBI machine. He led baseball in RBIs, I think, two the last two years. Uh, He's leading this year. So it'll be three straight seasons for Abreu if he stays healthy with uh, leading RBIs. And he's pretty much been the player of the month, right? Yeah, yeah, he's uh he's been on fire. He had a really slow start to the year. Yeah, he had like a like a 750 OPS for like the first couple months. So it's really surprising to see him back on top of the board, but maybe not that surprising since he is, you know, I think he's played seven years and has 775 career RBIs. 
Mm-hmm. So the guy's just been a machine with people on base. Yeah, Jose Abreu been good this uh, last sec- the second half of the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, White Sox are probably going to make the playoffs, right? hundred percent. They have a massive lead over Cleveland. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> I want to see them in the playoffs. I want to see. I want to see a lot of these uh, lesser lesser times in the playoff teams uh, do well. I don't know. I put that really badly, but I know. You know. I know what you're saying. I I keep thinking back, like, oh, the White Sox won recently, but 2005 was 16 years ago. So it's been mm-hmm. a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's weekly roundup. Andrew, do you have anything else to add? No, uh, this is a big uh, news week. Uh, it had been slow recently, so it's cool to see a bunch of things happen. Yeah, uh, we'll be back at it next Friday with another roundup. Uh, hopefully some fun things happen. I think I got a good feeling about it. Me too. Bye, guys. Yeah. All right, see you guys.